Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone, welcome to Pixels, the show about video games where we try to analyze and understand the why of gaming, not just the what, as a uh, very kind soul put it on iTunes. I'll talk about this a little bit later. Mm. Uh, well, that that doubtful uh, <laughs> uh, exclamation, no, it wasn't really an exclamation, sound that you heard is that of Scott Johnson. Yes, because what he's thinking right now is, you know what? I think this show is kind of wonky. I'd much <laughs> rather be listening to Boop, uh, the other excellent yeah. video game show I listen to. They're they're yeah. fine. They're fine companion pieces, really, because this one <laughs> makes you feel crazy. The other one calms you down some. And <laughs> they're, they're, All right, we'll go with that. Yeah, I like this. No, I'm, it's an honor to be on the show. The official show from adam sandler's upcoming film pixels i'm very excited <laughs> to be a part of it and learn about what that movie's going to be about it's very exciting i think i think that one is never ever going to get old so no thank you for for getting that one out again and w- when is it coming out when is the show coming out i don't know when that comes out the movie Let's i mean out uh pixels although i gotta tell you something you just said when does that show come out here i don't know if it's utah or regional or something but when i was growing up that's how adults referred to movies so they would say we're going out for dinner and a show meant we're going to dinner and a movie. And then they would say things like, oh, did you see Star Wars? That was a great show. They'd never, they didn't mm. refer to them as movies back then. And so as a kid, that was pounded into me. And I still catch myself doing that occasionally. Interesting. Yeah, I guess it, it's, it comes from like you would go to a theater and it was, yeah, I, I, I can see that. Uh, Pixels uh, 2015 comes out July 24th. So, oh, we have so many more occasions of you making a reference to that movie <laughs> when we're talking about this show. Indeed. I'm looking forward to each and every one of those. Well, I'll bring it. I'll bring it. I'll bring my A game each <laughs> and every time. Don't you worry about me. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Scott. Uh, it's always a real treat to have you, especially when we have such big news Uh, to cover and we're going to be talking uh, the big news we're going to be talking about are Guitar Hero Live is announced uh, Star Wars Battlefront which I do not believe for a second is going to be like that Uh, Mm -hmm. you'll see what I mean in a a little bit Uh, Deus Ex Mankind Divided I really like the title Apple Watch Games they're a thing apparently are you kidding me games Mm. well video games yeah who knew as well Uh, and a bunch of smaller news and then I think by the end of the show, we'll have a little discussion about Bloodborne because I've been playing it and I have thoughts. 
So I'll share oh, them wait, with you. whoa, you may have had, have we had a turn in the Bloodborne saga that whether Patrick likes it or not? I don't know. It's a meandering path, to be honest. It, it's full <laughs> of turns. Yeah. It goes, it goes to, I like it down. And then it takes a turn to, I hate you and I want to kill myself. And then it turns again to, you might not be so bad. It's kind of a bipolar thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that. It's going to be fun. All right. But first, Guitar Hero Live. Uh, we've heard about uh, the revival of Rock Band, which is basically doing everything we thought we wanted with, or I shouldn't use the past tense, everything we think we want with a revival of rhythm music games. And Guitar Hero Live is doing everything the opposite way that Rock Band is doing it. Basically, they're going to have, instead of computer graphics, uh, animated, you know, fake cartoony band that you're looking at when you're playing, they're going to have actually live filmed uh, footage. So real people, real uh, crowds who are cheering or booing, depending on how well or bad you're doing. Uh, it's going to be available on consoles and mobiles. That's an interesting uh, aspect of it. You're going to be able to download it on your mobile device and then beam the video to your TV. So that's, you know, a sort of promise that we've had with mobile games for a while, but there wasn't really anyone that would make sense to use like this. This one might do it. There's a new controller with uh, basically three buttons, but divided in two buttons each, kind of. Basically, you have three button buttons and three top buttons. And some people think it's going to make it a little bit too simple, but at the same time, you have all sorts of crazy combinations that you can do with, you know, maybe one finger on the top and two on the bottom, or even one finger that does two buttons at the same time and then other combinations with the others. So I think this the, the, the fear that this might be too simple is unfounded. Uh, there's going to be the Guitar Hero TV channels, which is a little bit crazy. It's a kind of drop-in, drop-out, competitive type of uh, 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 gameplay mode. And you're going to have multiple channels. You drop in, you have a, a music video playing with the guitar, how's it called? The guitar highway, uh, the note highway uh, going by. And uh, you can play lots of different songs, but you probably can't choose them really. Maybe there's going to be a, a premium service type of thing where you'll be able to choose the songs you want, or maybe there are going to be premium channels. And uh, so all of this is coming uh, possibly, well, very likely at the end of the year, sometime in November. And uh, it's going to be priced at 100 bucks for the guitar and the game. And we're guessing uh, it's going to be different. Well, we don't know if it's going to be different guitars and uh, different versions of the game for different consoles. If you're going to have to pay twice if you want to play on your PS4 and your iPhone. But anyway, it's going to be 100 bucks. So, Scott, what know, do you think? Okay, so I've got some thoughts about this whole announcement and its and and its connection with the announcement of Rock Band. And it makes me think historically about this series and about those two uh, games, those two series. When the plastic game genre thing exploded back in the early aughts and people were playing Guitar Hero originally on the PS2 and it would eventually play it on everything up to 
I think the latest last version was 08 or so, and it was on 360 and PS3. When you say the, the early aughts, you mean the 2000s? Yes. Because there's two zeros that look like O's? Yes, that's exactly. Is right. It like, okay. uh, you guys, what do you call them there in France? Uh, we don't talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to, yeah. Actually, the truth we is it's kind of a dumb decade anyway. But <laughs> anyway, they, when those games came out, they, you know, Guitar Hero was king of the hill. That thing just rocked everybody's socks. And then what happens is they get, there's a bunch of weird kind of who bought who and who left who and some of the founders of that company left and started Harmonix. And then Harmonix says, all right, now we've got rock band. Guess what? Going to have drums, going to have bass, going to have mic. We're going to have all this other stuff. You're going to have a whole band. And it kind of ate Guitar Hero's lunch. Everything from then on, it made Guitar Hero look like they were putting out the lesser of the two product lines. And that was just the general feeling from most people. I'm sure it had its devotees, but for the most part, uh, Rock Band kind of won that war. And then everybody simultaneously, oh, and I, I forgot, there, there was a point where Guitar Hero decided to bring in all the instruments. So there was a version right. of Guitar Hero that was... I can't remember what it was called, but it, it was still called was it World Tour. World Tour, yes, that is correct. And it had all the instruments. So they were trying to compete in that space. So one kind of forced another to try to get into that competition. But I felt like at that point it was too little too late because the actual genre was taking a dive and people were a little bit tired of it. People started putting their plastic instruments in storage and nobody seemed to care anymore. The last version of Rock Band released was 08 as well. So we have all this time now between... Was it that, that yeah. late? I thought it was 2011 or it something. Was a, I think, uh, no, heck no. We haven't, we haven't had anything mm. since. Eh, let's look that up. I think that's right. Rock. Okay, Day. anyway, keep going. I'll look it up. Yeah, look that up. Um, so you jump to current, and this is how things cycle, right? It's like, oh, we're, we love fantasy. No, we don't like fantasy. We like science fiction. Oh, we're sick of science fiction. Now bring some more fantasy back. It's kind of how all, lots of entertainment goes, and I think that this plastic band game thing is one of those things that will cycle in and cycle out, uh, you know, five, six years at a time, and then people will be tired of it, and then it'll come back in some other way. What makes this interesting was... Um, so Rock Band 3 is 2010, and I'm guessing there, there have been other elements that came out later. I think the late, last we've heard of any of those games was 2011. But was it anyway. Rock Band... Oh, you're right. 3 was 2010, yeah. Totally right. Why did I think 08? I'm thinking of something else. Because it feels like it's forever ago. Yeah. You know, it feels it's been a decade. You're entirely right. 360 PlayStation 3, Wii, and Nintendo DS. Uh, and it was launched October 2010. Wow. All right. Well, anyway, and those did not do very well. The later games were kind of dismissed and didn't sell nearly as many. And, and people were like, I've got enough plastic. And also retailers, for the most part, were like, we don't have as much shelf space for these things. I actually think since things have changed to be so digital now, I think stores will welcome a new reason to go buy this retail because this is how you're going to have to get it. <laughs> That's I, a good point. Yeah, yeah I, I think that kind of turns it on its head a little bit and makes retailers happy to, to stock all your plastic instruments and your giant boxes because it's a very different market now and they, they don't stock as many games, period. So that all aside, though, with Rock Band coming out first and saying, we're going to do a new game, that gives them some advantage in the zeitgeist to say, oh, look, they're first, they're going to do this. Wonder what wonder what Guitar Hero's doing. Remember that? They were terrible compared to this. Ha, ha, ha. I think that this is the smartest possible thing to get to my point that the Guitar Hero could have done because they've essentially set themselves up for a couple of things here. One, a very different experience that is maybe the first FMV, full motion video game we've had in a long time where actual featured video of people as part of the interactive experience in a meaningful way. But also, I think, and I, you know, 
Patrick can argue with me on this one. I hope you do, in fact. But I think this is setting themselves up for a future that includes VR experiences and a VR-enabled rock band slash guitar hero experience where you're looking out over a stage at actual people and Mm. being able to move in 360 degrees and look down at your guitar and this just the entire sort of VR promise. I think that that's what they're aiming for. I think they're getting, they're like, we don't, this isn't time to bring out new cartoon characters on a stage and you just watch the, the music lanes. This is a chance for us to redefine the genre and in that way, I think this is a, a very bold, maybe risky, but very bold move on their part. So that's that's an interesting thought. I hadn't really thought about this. Uh, I don't think we've seen making of videos of the way they shot those videos. It didn't look like they were shot with 360 cameras. So maybe, you know, it's always possible that they can redo it or maybe it was and we didn't see properly. But um, certainly, I think there's going to be, I mean... Yeah, VR is an interesting... I don't think it's this iteration, I should say that. Right. I don't think okay. whatever this version is does that, but I think this puts them in a position that says, look, you're, you are the perspective that well, you looking out. It's It just lends itself to that. So depending on how Morpheus does or other solutions on other consoles or PC do, I think they want to be set up as the guys who have got the camera turned around the other way when that all hits. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a possibility. Um, I think the, the cartoony looking... Uh, approach is going to look very dated very quickly. And it might go either way. It might be that the live thing is going to look very dated and kind of silly very quickly. I think the looking at at the silly little characters playing whatever they're playing is going to look weird uh, compared to the, the being on stage and having that visceral reaction, which is what they're, they're selling. Um, on the other hand, their rock band is going to be compatible with your previous instruments and you're going to keep as much as possible all of your music. So that's a, a, a good uh, aspect of it. But um, it's huge. That's a big, big deal, I think. Yeah. And, it, and it's a huge advantage on their end because I think a lot of people were worried about that. But being able to use that old stuff is kind of double-edged. One, it initially seems like a good savings. You're not going to buy all that stuff again and potentially not the music again. And so you're already up on the deal in a lot of people's minds. But what they're going to, what that also means is, hey, it's the same freaking game. Like, you're yeah, kind of a thing kind that of. you've already played the hell out of. Whereas this other one, it's like saying, well, yeah, we could be, you know, it's the whole backwards compatibility question for consoles and hardware anyway. We could give you your entire back library, you know, right out of the gate. But well, you know that Activision doesn't want to do that. They want to sell you everything again. But yeah, they really do. I mean, they they probably all do. But I'll bet you, yeah. Harmonix is making a very strategic choice here. I don't of know course. who publishes them now. Is it Two K? Who who's their? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who that is. But their stake is is probably larger in the sense that they need to they need to do things to ensure the that success. And I think that mm-hmm. that's a monetary decision that they would make and should make. Whereas. Uh, in the in the case of um, uh, Activision, they've got money to throw anywhere they want, and I think they can be a little more risky. Yeah, and, maybe and things like that. Yeah, so it's I, possible. That's thinking, who knows? Um, but to to get back to the general feeling of guitar games, uh, I've mentioned this on a couple of shows, and I think it was Christian Spicer on uh, DLC, uh, the show that um, 
Jeff Kanada produces, who basically brought me back on the idea of music games. He was saying that just as sports are something that is part, it's a, a kind of entertainment that's part of our lives, and we have new sports games every years, every year, and no one you know, size when, well, maybe a little bit because it's kind of the same game tweaked a tiny bit with a new roster. Uh, but still, there's no reason why music, which is also a big part of our lives uh, as an entertainment, there's no reason that music shouldn't be a constant uh, fixture in the video game world. And um, I think that it, it, this has been one of the quickest turnarounds that I've seen on anything ever. You know, three months ago, everyone was saying, again, with music games, plastic instruments, bah, bah, I don't want those. And now everyone's kind of like, ah, maybe, I'm kind of interested. And I'm sure when, it, when they come out, there's going to be a lot of people who will be ready to spend money again on those plastic instruments. Yeah, I call it Call of Duty syndrome it's, it's, uh, or Madden syndrome or whatever annualized thing you want to talk about. In, in this case, we're talking about a lot more years, but sometimes you just need some space. So people I don't like, think, you know, you're crazy. I, I, I'll usually skip a Call of Duty and end up really enjoying the, the, the every others because I've given myself, you know, that space to kind of get away from it. And maybe 2010 or whatever it was is enough space. Five, six years is enough to wait. You know, I don't think I don't really see it like this. Um, I think Call of Duty is the same game over and over again with minor tweaks. But games like rhythm games and sports games don't really live on the gameplay itself. It's a very important part, but they live on your love for the music or your love for the sport that you're playing. Mm -hmm. uh, people who play FIFA are people who love soccer or with, you know, its proper name, football. Um, people who play NBA Live are people who love basketball. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, th there might be other people who play those games as well, but... In order to play Call of Duty, you have to love Call of Duty. There's nothing more that harkens you back to that game. Um, so for that reason, I think that music games can live forever. If you don't, if you take the right approach, they can live forever, and there's no reason for them to ever need breathing room. Well, um, let me ask you this then: if that's true, and I'm not saying it isn't, because I kind of actually agree with you. Let me play devil's advocate. Uh, by the way, basketball proper name is Bucket Chuck. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, the way the way I see it is this. If you have a game, a genre like music rhythm games or whatever, and that that needs to be venerable and always there and a thing that we're always returning to or, or not even returning to, but just is there all the time, like you're suggesting. Why is it that sales plummeted and people put those instruments in their in their closets and things, despite the fact that in um, GarageBand or in uh, uh, Rock Band's case, they kept the fires burning with DLC and downloadable songs and song packs. And, you know, they, they kind of had the right path to how to keep this fresh. Well, keep adding new songs, keep adding new music, new genres, new whatever. Yet people still were like, meh, I'm done. They're gathering dust. Nobody cares. I think it was, I think it was too much. I think the band aspect of it was pushing it. Uh, I think people gorged on the rock band parties and then were, were sick of it. But the new approach kind of new is guitar is the main focus and that's what we're about even for rock band 4 i'm fairly sure that they're going to be pushing the guitar aspect of it a lot more than the play everyone with your friends um the the 
Guitar, the, the arrival of the whole band, was born out of a fantasy that seemed like a good idea at the time and an arms race between uh, Activision and basically Harmonix. Yeah. I, I don't think, I think it was good for a minute, but it perverted the joy of the, uh, you know, the, the basic premise of the game. And I think we're getting back to that basic premise. I kind of agree. I might be wrong, but... Uh, oh, I think I actually kind of agree. And I think it is dangerous um, when there's only, you know, there's only room for two and then those two fight like crazy. Uh, it ends up, I, I agree, diluting the experience. And it's funny. I actually feel like we're heading toward a potential, I'm not 100% sure on this, but a potential arms race with similar side effects in VR. With hardware competition, it's always been good. It's like, well, you can get an Xbox, you can get a PS3, you can get a Wii, whatever whatever the, the hard, hardware du jour is of any given year for the last 30 years. There are compelling reasons to get one over the other. And that's usually based on them working really hard to provide game experiences that only you can get there. In the case of VR or in these band games, uh, the kinds of one-upsmanship don't necessarily lead to better experiences for the players or those who would you know, potentially enjoy them, sometimes it just comes off as sour and angry and mean and loses focus. So I don't know if that's for sure going to happen to VR, but I worry a little bit that that VR with its, everybody's right now you know, scrambling for control or for dominance in a market that doesn't even exist yet, that we're going to end up with an arms race that will end up meaning that players will, you know, will have to just kind of be irritated by the fight while they try to find a, a compelling experience to play on their new, their expensive hardware. It's yeah, it's certainly a possibility that this will lead to that, but it's also a different. Um, I feel it's a different market because it's something where everything has to be figured out. Mm-hmm. We, with VR, we don't even know what. Let you know, not even talking about games, we don't know what the kind of experiences that are going to work are going to be. Everyone yeah. has the fantasy of kind of an FPS where you're immersed into that world. Um, but we don't know if that's going to work. We don't know what is going to work. So the effervescence, is that a word in English? Um, the excitement in that field is almost natural and necessary to an extent in the same way that the excitement for rhythm games was necessary because we were still figuring it out. And I think we, we've, what we have figured out is that entire bands uh, with plastic instruments are not something we want in the long run, some people we will want those, and they're. I'm sure there are rock band nuts that still get together and play every weekend. Um, but I think we know that this is not the focus for those games, and we've learned this because of the excitement. Um, and for VR, it's going to be you know it's going to have to be figured out, and it's going to be bloody. I'm I'm sure. Yeah, that's not. It's going to get weird before it gets yeah. great. <laughs> you know what's weird? Mm. Star Wars Battlefront's PS4 trailer. Whoa. It is bar none the most beautiful thing. I'm including every piece of art in the world. The most beautiful thing you've ever seen, <laughs> ever. Okay, I might be might be overdoing it a tiny bit, um, but it's really it's really beautiful. Um, we were talking about Battlefront last episode with with uh, uh, <clears throat> God. I'm, I, you my mind is blanking. You had God, you had God on the show. <laughs> this is, this is terrible. Um, no, we were talking with James. I was going to call him John. I'm sorry, James. Uh, we were talking about biblical references today. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I know. 
Um, we were talking about Star Wars Battlefront, and he kind of sold me on the fantasy of Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, I do have a very significant worry that the fantasy of playing a, a part, playing your part in the Battle of Hoth, is going to be annihilated by the reality that in those games, what ends up happening is that you, everyone figures out that that weapon is the best one or the TIE fighter is the one you're going to have the best chance in to, you know, to, to do something fun in. And everyone goes to that thing and, and no one cares about the, the rest of the game. And I, I really worry about the finality of the game in that sense. But that trailer, holy moly, <laughs> it's so beautiful. I cannot believe it's yeah. unbelievably beautiful, literally. Meaning, well, have you seen? I don't believe it's going to be like that. Have you seen Battlefield Four or Hardline or anything in the most recent versions of the Frostbite engine? That would be my question to you. Because if you've seen that stuff in 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 action, playing it, you will not be surprised they can pull this off. Because that engine right now is at uh, what I think the pinnacle of all the engines in terms of what I'm seeing visually on screen. But more so, um, they're able to take large scale efforts like a giant battlefield full of crazy things going on and and represent that in a very 60 frames per second beautiful uh you know wonderfully rendered textured way so i'm not but surprised even, at all by the visuals i think it looks even this i mean yeah, it I seems un the, the amount of foliage the 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 trees the i i know maybe, it's maybe, like a lot but, it seems like a lot but mm. I've seen there's stuff in Battlefield that make you go, whoa, what in the crap? How is that even how am I looking at this and not how's my computer not just begging me to sh shoot it in the face like that? That stuff does. No, but there's even on PS4 because on PC, I can believe it. Well, I think they're demoing that on a high end PC with a Titan card in it. I don't think that thing is running a PS4 demo at all. So, so I, that's the thing. That, that's yeah. the thing. They were saying it was a PS4 version of the demo. Eh, I don't buy that. That part. Well, I don't OK, buy. there. There we agree. Yeah, we totally agree. Look at that, everybody. Mark this down. Uh, time marker, <laughs> however far we are in. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Here's the other thing, though. I will dispute what you said earlier about the actual battles and their outcomes and min-maxing in the match and all that. Uh, I don't know if you played any of the other two Battlefront games. No, uh, I haven't. I haven't. So I come, I come to this completely as a virgin. They, they no play like Battlefield games. That's what they're originally based on is this idea of Battlefield 1942, which was the original Battlefield game. It was this big, massive World War II shooter. And all the right. Battlefield games since have followed that, that kind of structure. And it's, it's helicopters, tanks, jeeps, guys on the ground, multiple classes, uh, that sort of thing. Some maps lend themselves better to air combat. Some lend themselves better to ground combat. But the bottom line is if it's well-balanced and... You know, the developers go go as far as they can with that balancing with both, you know, how do these maps work? Where are the choke points? What players are going to want to do the most? Not making something too OP. It should be fine. I mean, they've, they've proven in the past. Those Battlefront games were very popular and did really well. And so have, you know, the Battlefield series as general in general has done really well. So I don't think that's going to be an issue because that kind of gameplay is already sort of a, a known quantity. So it's not like they have to do anything new here, really. Um, that could be a bad thing because maybe they won't do enough new. Because um, if this at the end feels like Battlefield 4 with a Star Wars skin, that will be very disappointing. Uh, you want things that will set it apart. But um, I guess I understand that I understand that some people are into those kinds of games and that they enjoy those games and they play them the way they're supposed to be played. I'm wondering if, you know, me, like, 
Joe Frenchy is going to show up because woohoo, it's Star Wars and not be into the the mindset, the frame of mind that you need to play as a team and to and maybe we will, but I'm I don't it's a know. very good point. Hey, look, you like, I mean, you're looking forward to Blizzard's uh, Overwatch, correct? Yeah. Okay. It's it's basically Overwatch, but just bigger with 40 players in it. I mean, it's it's really not that yeah. much different. Now, you can play a bigger or smaller role. There's a lot more to do uh, in these bigger matches. It's also, if you're not with a team, it can feel like you're maybe a little, not lost, but left behind or not part of the, you know, whatever core strategy is going on. But to me, I mean, these games all, at the end of the day, they all just kind of play out like, they're a lot like MOBAs in a way. Um, you kind of have mm-hmm. a team composition. You try to be a good support for whatever your team needs and and you try to do whatever the objectives are. The, the fan service part yeah. comes on as a nice layer on top of an already established genre that you may not love. That's possible. It's entirely possible that Joe Frenchie over here, like you said, <laughs> uh, is going to wander into this and not have a great time. But it's I, I, I for me, I very much enjoy that large, large scale mm. of those battles. And I I spent I don't know how many hours and days playing Battlefield 1942 it was a fantastic video game. And pretty much any twist on that is interesting to me. So they have me at all of yeah. that. And if they can do all that right and not get too EA weird with this in terms of I don't know, their DLC plans or any other stupid sign-up crap or whatever they're going to do. As long as they steer clear of a lot of that, uh, I I feel like this could be a big deal this year. It's, yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed Call of Duty multiplayer and Destiny and, you know, whatever, a bunch of other multiplayer games. There's no reason I couldn't enjoy this one as well, but it just feels like for Battlefield, it needs to be a lot more team work focused and call of duty is basically kiddie land you you go in and you frag up a bunch of people and then you're happy because you're you know you have a bigger ep-ness than everyone else or (laughs) well yes and and it seems like this mindset which is a general you know more more widespread doesn't work for battlefield so i don't know how much the wide appeal of of star wars as a franchise is going to be detrimental to the gameplay experience of the community as a whole but maybe i'm wrong maybe it's going to be done properly and well it may people be are going to be pushed it, to sure and you may get in there and go like you're right on the, the call of duty thing it's funny because i think those the developers of that multiplayer experience know that if you had a team and you were doing competitive call of duty playing, you could do some really great stuff as a team. Like there's definitely ways to take strategies and do all that stuff, but they, they definitely erred on the side of, we want this to be super easy for anybody anywhere to get into and play right now and still have an impact on the match. That's the, that's where they decided to go. I agree with you that the battlefield games and the battlefront games have erred more on the side of you're going to have some fun in here. But if you're just coming in to shoot stuff and hope to, to get a decent point at the end, you're probably not going to win and you're going to want to be more coordinated. That's definitely where they're at. So, yes, I'm going to agree with you that they are going to expect you to come in there and contribute in a way that's more than just coming and shoot stuff. But I think you want that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, you do. But ultimately, it can easily derail a, a game and it can become a very frustrating experience in the way that, you know, you were comparing it to MOBAs uh, earlier. And we very well know that that MOBAs are an ecosystem where because of the importance, the paramount importance of team gameplay and, and teamwork, when it doesn't work, it's very frustrating for everyone involved. So, right. 
But anyway, there's also going to be an offline single-player element to the game, which I'm hoping is going to be more than just, you know, a bunch of uh, uh, multiplayer missions with bots. But I'm excited about that because, again, that trailer, if, it, if it's even, you know, 80% of what it shows there, it immerses you in that Star Wars universe, which between that and the movie, yeah. It's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be exciting. I'm skeptical, but on on the look I'm with you. But I if they like you said, yeah, eighty eighty is where I'm at too. If that's right around where they can do it, and it's, it's already incredible. Oh my gosh, I, pff, dude. <laughs> if, even if you're remotely a Star Wars fan, it's like you're gonna get that game, even if you don't play shooters. Like it's just kind of it's yeah. just too much to avoid, you know. Um, I w- I've never been a big uh, Deus Ex player. Mankind Divi- Divided was announced uh, last week. It's the next installment in the franchise after Deus Ex. What was the previous one? Oh. Human Revolution, I believe. There you go. Human Revolution. So human, yeah. mankind. Next mm-hmm. one is going to be uh, Deus Ex. People angry. <laughs> angry. <laughs> Finally, the Angry People expansion we've all been waiting there for. There you go. I um, really love those games. They're great. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, they're definitely a revered franchise. And I think the transition to uh, the reboot uh, with um, Human Revolution was very much appreciated as a solid effort, even more a success. Uh, I think the one uh, drawback was the boss fights were not very well designed but uh in this uh, in in this installment they've promised they've taken another passable at all of this and uh and that the boss fights are going to be better and uh, one concern was that the big reveal trailer was very action oriented and everyone knows everyone in the world knows that DSX is a game where you can approach any situation the way you like and go stealth if you damn please and go through the entire stealth uh, the the entire game in stealth mode, and yep. uh, they've confirmed that even though the trailer is very action oriented and very blasty and has that evil Russian half robot dude uh, be angry at you again, uh, people angry. Um, they, they've they've uh, uh, confirmed uh, executive game director Jean Francois Dugas from Canada, um, mm-hmm. has confirmed on Twitter that the game will be entirely ghostable, including the boss fights. So That's really good news. Yeah. Uh, the last game. Okay. So I played the 2000 game from Ion Storm way back in the day called Deus Ex. That was just the name of the game. It was based on the Unreal 1 engine, if you can believe that. It looks wow, like that brings us back. Yeah. Garbage looking today. It was run by Warren Spector is a venerable veteran of the industry, although he hasn't done great stuff lately. But anyway, it's one of the greatest things ever I had ever played at the time. I could not believe what they had crammed into this thing. It was RPG. It was action. It was stealth. It was it was unlike anything that had come before. Um, And it felt like truly a revolutionary game at the time to me and was just blown away. So I played that. I never played the sequel, which is kind of weird, but that came three years later in the form of Deus Ex Invisible War. And then I also played this most recent one, which is a prequel to all of that story-wise with Human uh, Human Revolution, which came out in 2011. Um, all that being said, I think the best of the batch is the latest. I just had a problem with the fact that I could stealth that game almost entirely except for boss fights. And those were terrible. I hated those boss fights. They forced you a to play all action and not use any of the skills you've been saving up and doing. 
which, and it just broke, like just broke the themes. It broke air. I just hated that part. Uh, but for the most part, beautiful game just felt great all the way through the fact that they're making a new one. Totally stoked. Can't wait. Bring it on. I'm ready. I love it. And I'm ready for science fiction, by the way. This is what I need more of right now. I'm I'm a little fantasied out at the moment. I need some 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 efforts in both video games, film, cinema, TV. I need some science fiction back in a hardcore way. I'm having that kind of swing towards sci-fi right now, and, and this will fill that need nicely, I think. And you know what is super science fiction-y? What? Playing games on your watch. What? Yes! Crazy. Are you some kind of Dick Tracy? What's happening? (laughs) Well, it turns out that this company, Apple, that makes computers and phones, is coming out with a watch, and developers are super excited about it. Um, If you haven't been following this, not the Apple Watch in general, the games, um, there are a number of games that are going to be coming out, and apparently they're all called Watch Something. Uh, there's going to be an adventure game called Watch Quest. There's a sports game called Watch This Home Run and a spy game by the developers of Surgeon Simulator and I Am Bread. Yes, there's actually a game called I Am Bread where you actually play a piece of bread. I bought that. that. You haven't heard of this? I have it. I bought it. I just, it's down. I I installed it, but I have not played it yet. I think I'll do some videos or something with it. Um, well, it's very, it, both of them are, are really silly, but this one is called Spy Watch and uh, it's, it's, you know, a spy game on your watch. And then there's another one called, uh, it's a four letter word game. I can't remember the name, but it's also going to be available on the Apple Watch. And that's, you know, it's kind of, I'm very skeptical about the watch. I've been very openly saying that I'm not sure how usable it's going to be. I'm not sure he's going to have any use cases at all, actually. I worry that the... um, Well, let's not do a review of what we think the Apple Watch is going to be. It's going to be out in a week, and we'll all know. Uh, They sold so many of them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's kind of incredible. Wow. Um, My theory, which I'm not sure about now that I've actually tried to watch, um, I went to the stand at the store and they had uh, watches you could try at the in the Paris department store. Um, my theory is that people are going to buy them by the million and they are going to use it for a couple of months and then not use it anymore. I kind of agree with you. And here's the deal. I think that there is a future use case of all kinds. There's all sorts of potential in this idea. Um, and there has been since smartwatches started to hit the hit, hit the, you know, hit people's wrists everywhere, either from, you know, people like Pebble or Android or whatever. Uh, this is going to be a big mainstream success. And that's good because here's why, because I'm not getting one at, at the very least. If I get one at all, it'll be like the next version or even the version after that. And here's why this first version is going to teach them a lot about how people use them, what they need, what they don't use, why they care, why they don't care. Uh, when the drop-off happens on usage and it just becomes a watch that they have to charge every night. Like all of those kinds of things are going to make a huge difference as to what these things do in the future and how we'll actually use them and how they'll behave. And I don't mean Apple's just going to learn this lesson. Everybody's going to learn it. And they're all going to be jumping at it. Uh, So today I am completely not skeptical. I'm skeptical of my use cases. I'm sure other people are going to love the freaking thing. But there's nothing I really want to do until... You showed me this damn link for this watch quest game that looks like it's something I do. That's something that's, I totally do. Yeah, that's basically my my that was my reaction. It was like, oh, but actually you're gonna have apps 
that are that might be kind of fun. And I'm sure that these games are going to be silly, most of them. You know, it's just, really, are you going to, like, it's everything you think is dumb. Like, you're not going to play a game on your freaking watch. Yep. But maybe. We don't know. And there's a bunch of games that are going to come out. And, and they look like they, of course, we can't really judge anything about those because you you have a you know three screenshots and that's it but they look like they're actual games and if anything they they are showing that there is from an interface standpoint the potential for making some genuine gameplay on these uh, on the on these watches so i don't know i'm i'm i i don't know what to think anymore i'm very confused it's like i'm back in college uh, and I'm experimenting. It's, uh, you know, I think I'm going to be experimenting with the watch. I actually ordered one because, you know, I you figured like you I got, needed I understand. to. I had that same argument with myself. I'm like, I should get this. I do lots of things that, that I could call this mm-hmm. a business expense for. Heck, it could even be tax deductible at this point, the way I use things like that. So, yeah, Scott, you should totally get one. I still, this is the one, like new Apple products. I am an unabashed fan of anything they put out. So when it comes out, I'm like... Yep, want it. How soon? Pre-order. Let's do it. Oh, we don't have the money right now. Too bad. Uh, it's a business expense. No. Like I can Too bad. The kids, the, the kids can eat pasta for an extra couple of weeks. Yeah, we got corn dogs in the freezer. They'll be fine. So that's how I look at it. But then little things like this will tempt me. But this is the first one where I haven't caved yet. And I don't know what's going to make me cave. Um, something might. You know, I've got a lot of friends getting it. You included. You guys may get it and go, oh, Scott, we were wrong. This thing. Wow. Blah, blah, blah. And that may just make me just get one and then wait till October till there's enough left to get me one or whatever. Um, but I just, I, I'm, I gave up watches like actual wrist wearing anything about 20 years ago. I, I wore a watch in high school. I wore a, a swatch for a long time. And a, yeah, a, I think that's a, the a, argument a by most people. Yeah. I just don't, but, I don't um, think that's the interface we've been waiting for because we've always had it and it's always annoyed me. So but the games are, are it's still the, the thing. It's the same for me. It's, it's the, idea that you might it might actually work possibly they it got me a little bit excited and i'm guessing it's it's the same for you it is the same for me so i think how i'm going to handle this because it wouldn't matter if i went and ordered one now anyway they are so back ordered it's ridiculous even the greatest supply chain on earth is not enough to make up for how many they are back ordered right now um so i'm gonna have to wait so i'm looking at it now as like well you couldn't get it earlier so let's just wait let's see what all your friends think let's see what the reviews say um those aren't out yet, are they? Do we have reviews? Oh, there are a bunch of reviews out. What am I saying? Yeah, there are a number of reviews, and most of them are lukewarm. Um, yeah, most of them are like, hey, this this is the best one on the market, but it's a weird market. So yeah, it's like saying it's the best. You you ate the best french fry at McDonald's, in a way. I, I actually enjoy McDonald's well, french fries. But those are bad for you. Well, they're actually, fun fact, McDonald's is a lot more disgusting in the U.S. than it is in France. I don't, but I don't, I do not, not, but I mean, I, I completely buy that because I, the one in China I went to in this terrible factory town in China, I thought, oh man, this is going to be the worst experience. The best McDonald's I've had in my life. Yeah, there you go. It's incredible. Pizza Hut in Japan is like a fancy walk-in, get reservations restaurant. <laughs> like you guys have taken our stuff and made it better everywhere else. I don't get it. So yeah, anyway, uh, Apple Watch is the best fries at McDonald's. Um, <laughs> that's I my think point. That's, like it's yeah. the best one. But it comes yeah. thing that isn't proven yet, and unlike phones or music players or other sure. computers, it's just a different animal. 
Yeah, no, I, it's a, it's going to be a V1 for sure. And we don't even know if any version is going to have any point in anyone's lives. Uh, but, you know, those games things, I mean, from... I'm, I'm talking about... On this show, we're talking about any kind of games, be, the, be they PC or console or mobile. I guess we're going to have to add you know, watches to that mix. Um, I am, though, as much as I am cautiously excited about all of this, I am kind of expecting it to be, oh, yeah, actually, it's crap. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I don't think, I, I don't, if I think about this rationally, yeah. I don't think they're going to be good or even actually entertaining games. But we'll they, see. They might be... <sighs> Well, if, if crazy, I don't we're get... Crazy, if, we're crazy to think that the first iteration or the first wave of games, even the first uh, even six months of games, we're crazy to think that those are be indicative of what finally ends up being the great way to interact with gaming experiences on a phone of course, or on yeah. a watch. It's just going to be very experimental. They're going to try little things. They'll retain what works and other genres will pop in and it will, just like on phones, we've had to kind of figure that crap out. It's going to take some time. So anybody's expecting this watch quest to just blow their minds day one, it's a bit like expecting, well, you know, a killer app like Tetris on the original Game Boy. I don't think we get that here. Yeah. We don't have the established interface feelings about it. We don't know anything about how native apps are going to work. You know, all the reviews are very negative about how slow the, slow the, uh, the apps from the phones are working. And, you know, I don't know. All that stuff is, is very strange. But bottom line for me is because there's so much momentum, Apple seems very serious about it. Uh, the fact that they've sold as many as they've sold, we are at least guaranteed a very good test package here, a very good test I period agree. of figuring out what the hell we want to do with our wristwatches. So hopefully I'll get mine uh, closer to the initial date I'm supposed to get it, which is end of the week. Mm -hmm. uh, the later, the latest would be May 8th. Um, but then, you know, hopefully I get it this week and I'm going to be able to talk about it next week. And I'm going to have played... Watch Quest, watch this home run, Spy Watch, <laughs> and Apple Watch for a little word game that doesn't have a name. I think yeah. it might have a name. But. It might have a name, but, yeah. but yes, you will have played all those, and you will probably feel fairly mediocre about most of them. Yeah. Oh, Snappy okay. Word, there you go. Oh, snap. I think they should have called it Watch Word. Watch word. Weird. Word watch. It's just when, I, but, you know, yeah, but okay. here, here's what's going to take off on that watch. And this is my prediction. And then I'm done with talking about watch it, or at least this part of it. Here's what I think is the ultimate thing that's going to happen. And it will rule the watch until the end of time when it comes to game experiences. It will be two things. It will be kind of scavenger hunty, uh, geocache kind of applications. I think there's all kinds of room for that. But the big killer app will be essentially virtual pets. The Tamagotchi is going to return ah. that is that is huge and mega buster and everybody will be all into checking on whatever their little pet creature is every once in a while and it'll be notifying them that he needs something. You're going to be feeding them. You're going to be, you know, sending a message to somebody else, which helps the pets play with each other or some bull crap like that. It's going to be that. And then it can sense your heartbeat and respond to it. And you can, ah, it's it's actually and you can touch press it to, I don't know discipline it or something <laughs> no it's part. come again 
So you just whack your phone or your yeah. watch hard. It's got that extra push, right? That extra weird push. So if you push lightly, it won't. It'll be oh. If you push it hard, it's like yipe 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 and goes in the corner. Yeah, there you go. This can be a that will be a killer app. I promise you that. How soon that happens or who has the best one, I don't know. But it'll be like city in the early days of iPad. If you remember, all the games were these city builder games, and they were huge and they're still huge. But but that was like a big moment. That's what these will be for the watch. That game. Interesting. Well, we'll have to find out. I guess. Um, a bunch of smaller news that we're going to go through a little bit more quickly. Uh, first of all, The Witcher 3 is going to get two big expansions, uh, and the game is going to be anywhere from 25 to 200 hours long. Basically, 25 hours is more or less the equivalent of a speed run, which is kind of insane. Yeah. Um, and the two big expansions are going to add... 30 hours of content. Uh, one is going to be 10 hours. One is going to be 20. And they're going to be for pay. Uh, but I guess if you're going to be paying for more of that thing that you already had a bunch of and you you really love it, then yeah, why not? And again, the trailer, amazing. The latest trailer <laughs> is mind-blowing. Yeah, that game looks great. Um, I am very... One of the reasons... I, so I bought GTA five yesterday on PC and I did that because I'm sick of being the only guy that's never played it. And I feel like I can speak to a lot of things that but, are in it, but also the PC version is getting these incredible reviews. You, you had a kind of like, not in my house. Uh, well, I don't, I mean, I'm a, I'm a conscientious parent who's not necessarily in the camp of thinking that's good content for my 14 year old, you know? So I'm not, I'm not so much, I don't, I'm not so much in the, in the mindset that he's quote unquote ready for that. Uh, the older kids, they're fine. They're old enough to make their own choice on stuff like that. But for me, it's never been, I'm not approved about this. I don't care so much about language or content or even the crime story or the violence or any of that. I've been playing video games for a long enough time where it's not really an issue for me where I have a problem with it is it started around San Andreas, the, uh, third game in the series, uh, after vice city and my, or after, so it was three San Andreas and then, or no, three vice city, then San Andreas, San Andreas came across to me as mean, and what I mean by that is just the things you were being asked to do in the story missions, at least previous to this, you were kind of an anti-hero, but you kind of had a good side to you and you were conflicted about things and the stories went a little more like that. San Andreas started down this path of like, you're a terrible guy and you're doing really terrible things to people and you don't give a, you don't give a crap about it. And it really put me off the series. I tried four, felt the same way. And I thought, well, the further we get into better technology, better voice work, better all this stuff, these games are just going to get more mean. And I don't, like just the meanness of it all just makes me feel dirty or something you know uh, it's funny i i had never played uh three i played a little bit of four but what struck me with five was how first of all how funny it is mm -hmm. and how much of a you know you can run around shooting cops and you know running over hookers if that's your jam but the game itself the single player missions mm. are and everything the entire world is an incredible caricature of american society and the west coast you know los angeles in particular for this game and everything is so funny you see the you know the billboards the radio the 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 dialogue the interaction everything is so well written and yeah. i think that's what you know made me appreciate the game a lot more than the violence or anything else it's just how clever it is yeah there's you know hollywood is morning wood and They've got, uh, but it's not just that, you know, they have caricature of, uh, you know, political talk radio and they 
each side gets as much of it as the other yeah, side. So, you know, very South Park in that way, like equal yeah. opportunity offender. And I love that stuff. Like, that's what I love. And I loved Vice City for that reason. And you know what? So far, I'm only into this thing like three missions, but it's back to what I liked. So oh, okay, I, cool. I think I had given the game a little short shrift uh, because of where I was at with San, San Andreas and also four. I don't, I just don't like it when they took sort of dark, darker turns. And, and what I mean by that is, I don't know. I like when there's, I, I like, I like my characters regardless of, of the terrible things they do and the reasons they do them deep down in there. There's a, there's a, there's a guy who wants to do good somewhere. You know what I mean? And for me, this game already is showing me that. And the humor's great. Graphics are insane. The PC version is insane looking. I cannot believe it's a video game. Um, and it's 64 gigs, so it better be. Uh, <laughs> I really, really like it so far. So you what? Sorry. I like it a lot. It's great. You, no, I didn't hear you. You, you, what? you said something. Oh, just you really like. Oh, there you go. Wait, hold on. Let me say it in the only way I know how. Hold on. Here's how I'll say it. Really, really like it. Thank you. Um, like, oh. <laughs> so that has nothing to do with The Witcher, but um, nope. Oh, okay. No, but I was going to say this about The Witcher. So uh, beside, I was the reason I was hesitant to get GTA Five was because I thought, well, right around the corner, I got to get the damn Witcher, and the Witcher is going to be enormous. Like that thing's going to take me yeah. months and months and months to play. Why am I even considering this other sixty dollars purchase um, at this at this particular moment? And um, whatever, I don't care. I'm getting The Witcher. Of course I am. <laughs> well, okay, I've played. A little bit of The Witcher 1 and 2. I didn't really get into it, but I think The Witcher 3 is going to be the thing. And uh, we'll see. Uh, Destiny's House of Wolves is arriving on May 19. Um, it won't in- That's the next expansion. It won't include a new raid, but there's going to be a kind of a horde mode. Um, and there's going to be a next uh, a raid in the next quote-unquote major update, which is probably that thing that we heard about in the act- one of the Activision investors' call. Uh, calls, which is an end of year, probably for pay, a uh, big update, kind of a real expansion where those are more of a um, DLC type things. And uh, yeah, why not? I I still enjoy Destiny every once in a while. I'm probably gonna. Well, I think I got the the season pass, so I'm gonna get uh, House of Wolves when it comes out. And yeah, that's gonna be fun. I, I, have, I enjoy myself. I have some a bad news for you. I have some very sad news here to report. I uninstall destiny my playstation <laughs> well, 4 and so that i would have room for mortal Kombat x so there well you go. so two things first of all i'm gonna take the uh glasses have full uh approach and decide that it's good it, it's it's a good thing you it took you until now to uninstall it yeah i would have thought it it would have taken you you know you would have uninstalled it months well, ago given kept, how little you like the game i kept thinking it'd get better it just but it didn't never did for me for and me. the other thing is yeah. mortal Kombat is super fun yeah it's really good it's, it's really uh good. i i spent an evening a couple of days ago with friends uh playing mortal Kombat and trying to do the fatalities and doing you know the uh x-ray moves and holy crap it's exactly what i hoped it would be it's camp it's kitsch it's fun it's violent it's it's you know disgusting and anytime you do a fatality everyone in the room goes like oh i never thought so somebody had i had been all hoity-toity on twitter one day going man why are people still talking about how violent mortal Kombat is this is so 1992 I when's know, the right? press gonna learn whatever and i'm just blah 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 and then someone said 
yeah, but have you seen all the fatalities? And I thought, ah, well, how bad could they be? I played <laughs> Nine was no big deal. Like, how much worse could 10 be? We're only talking a couple of years. I went in there and I was like, holy freaking crap. Some <laughs> people kind of have a point. Like, it is really, really gross, but great in, a, in every way. I love it. It's, it's gross in a really funny way. And I think, you know, I, I don't think that I haven't seen a lot of press about this. I don't think people are, you know, it's way more violent than it wasn't back in the 90s. It's horrible. It's, it's not horrendous. even close to what it used to. Yeah. What they thought was bad then. Ridiculous compared yeah. to. This. Yeah. But I think we've all grown up and we know that this is, you know, fantasy and it's so outrageous. It, it, it knows what it is and it plays perfectly with, you know, it's the idea of what it is. So it's fun. Um, the single player elements are a little bit less enticing than I would have hoped them to be. But with friends, it's, it's super fun. And it, it lets, there's a controversy about the, a mini controversy about the fact that it lets you buy, uh, easy fatalities where you only need to press a couple of buttons to do a fatality instead of the entire uh thing i i whatever it's not it's well, not those I, are, so you can buy those but you can also earn them like we're in that cave thing whatever it's called i forgot the mode but um Nick the, the crypt around. the crypt yeah so you run around in there and you unlock stuff and find moves and you know so you can get more easy fatalities by doing that yeah you can earn them there and when you bring those back okay. and spend them in the game uh but it's just a little skeezy that you can also purchase those with real money which bugs me a little yeah bit. There, you know there's also like on the main screen the the thing you see which is at the top front middle of the screen is playstation store which i could do without honestly it feels a little bit in your face but it doesn't rise to the level of, you know, making me actually angry. It's just the game is fun and it's fine. I think yeah. it's fine. It's, yeah. it's, I'm not happy about it, right. but I don't think it's, you know. It's not going to force you to do anything. It just feels exactly. we're in that time, guys. I hate to say it, but people are going to keep experimenting even with high premium cost games with this weird payments, this and that. You know, mobile's really done things to the world and we, it's just the way it is. We have to learn to live with it. I don't think it's mobile, though. I think the problem is games have become more and more expensive, and even though more people are buying them, it's, the price has stayed the same for so long, it hasn't even followed inflation. And no, at some point, you need to get people who want to pay more money for your game because they enjoy it, you mm -hmm. need to give them the, the ability to do so. And that's what all of this is about, about the fact that if someone has bought your game and is like, I want to give you more money than you ha they have to be able to. And yes, there are things that go over the line. Some of them are better done than others, but I think that's what it's about. And, well, and games the, are freaking expensive. Yeah. And that's my whole point is I, this is experimentation, uh, experimentation time. They'll find out ways to make it work already. There are many models that do work both for premium and free games and, and they're working well and, and people are learning from that. So this phase will, will end at some point or at least come to a point where we kind of know what to expect. Um, the one weird bit, I had this theory on Boop a while back that the the lack of inflation in the video game business, which is a really weird thing compared to the rest of everything else we consume or buy, um, is is a strange thing. But that I felt like this going full digital for the most part on this generation of consoles and PCs have been doing that for a while and handhelds and everything else and mobile getting away from physical media would make up the difference. So without the inflation, you at least had a cost cut. Uh, for distribution and warehousing and transportation and middlemen and, you know, commissions and all the other crap that goes along with sending boxes and boxes of discs to, to stores. That whole thing being removed should help soften that or at least 
build in some additional revenue they wouldn't have had otherwise because they're selling so many more off servers where that's a fraction of the cost of uh, manufacturing disks and shipping them everywhere. But, yeah, you know. to an extent, to an extent. But I think there's also another, you know, there are a lot of other elements. For example, a lot of the games have online elements that require servers to be maintained all the time for the lifetime of the game. And those also aren't cheap. Um, so, but yeah, there are, there are a bunch of factors. And to be honest, I don't think any of us knows exactly if that going digital offsets the costs of, uh, the, the rising costs of uh, the production of the games. But yeah, it's, I don't know. That that would be a wider discussion, probably. Um, right. But um, talking about always online games, Heroes of the Storm has a launch date. Yay! June 2nd. In my Just heart, it had a launch date about six months ago, but yes. <laughs> so yeah, if you, if you haven't, if you've been waiting, I mean, I think everyone and their mother and their father and their uncle and their dog has access to the uh, Heroes of the Storm beta now. But if for some reason you've been waiting for it to not be in beta anymore, then uh, June 2nd is the day you've been waiting for. Yeah, and if you tweet me at Scott Johnson on Twitter, I seriously have about 150 of them still. So they're, <laughs> they're going like hotcakes, clearly. And if you want to get in now, uh, or if you want to wait till June, yeah, they finally have a date. I, I had predicted some time ago that summer would be a good time to do it, but I was actually kind of thinking they'd wait till blizzcon area. Uh, this may say something about what other games may come into betas and things, which we could maybe get into. But, but uh, no, I think June's a good time, and um, I am completely in love with that game. That is currently at the top of my what I want to play almost all the time game list right now, and it's so shocking. Ask me a year ago if I'd play a MOBA or give two craps about it, and I would have said no. But I love love this game. So I know this is this is good news. It means competition outside of their dorm thing they're doing, and 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 you know I, I, I assume bigger tourneys and bigger esporting events. I watched the entire ESPN three thing coverage of the Heroes of the Dorm this, uh, over the weekend. Fan freaking tastic! So much fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I'm all in. So bring it. Excellent. June second is yeah. when it is going to be brought. Fear, thrall, and his balls, because bring, I'm bringing the heat. Bringing the heat. Um, balls, by the way, uh, used to be the acronym of Blizzard All Stars, which was the previous game of. Oh no wonder they changed the it. I always wondered why they got rid of the name. Now it makes sense to me. I, I think it might have been um, the reason why. I mean, in the office, I used to work for Blizzard. I think we 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 started calling it balls a little bit too much, and we realized, uh, yeah. It, that might, I don't know that it was that that was the reason, but it wouldn't surprise me. People get mad if you call it HOTS um, now, and I don't know why. I don't think it's just because of the StarCraft connection. They all want to call it Heroes, which is interesting because you could say Hearthstone is, you could shorten that to Heroes if you wanted because it's Heroes of Warcraft, or you could take a million games and just call it Heroes. So I don't know what that backlash is about, but I've gotten it more than once. Oh, one last thing to say about Heroes. I got to just mention this. It makes me proud. Uh, when I play in matches... With strangers or anyone, friends or strangers, when I either kill their core or they kill ours, I don't type GG. I type chocolate. And, and that's what I put. And the reason I do that is that when the core explodes, it reminds me of a big chocolate bunny from Easter when you were a kid and it'd open up and there'd be stuff in there. That's what it reminds me of. So I always type chocolate and it became a thing I just did all the time. Yesterday in two random matches with people who are not on my friends list names I have never heard of before said chocolate when we won. <laughs> I, I'm making a difference, man. 
where you know i i know you have a, a strong presence in the game industry and you're a voice to be reckoned with and i'm glad that you're you're you know changing things where it counts yeah I'm so making, thank you for that Scott. i'm using my powers for good never evil and you know who can who can honestly look anyone straight in in the face and say that chocolate is not a good thing right. so there and take that everyone else thank you son <laughs> of john uh i'll try sorry i'm sorry what said no problem frenchy joe it's gonna call you (laughs) (laughs) ultra street fighter 4 now that's a real fighting game it's coming to ps4 on may 26 for only 25 bucks i might get it i don't know that i will but i might because uh street fighter 5 is a year away at least and 25 bucks i mean i've bought uh Street Fighter 4 and I think Arcade Edition, mm-hmm. I could buy Ultra. Maybe. Dude, I've bought every Street Fighter game since the very first one on uh, Genesis and Super NES and everything since then. Even the movie one, Street Fighter the Game, the movie, or the movie, the game. Oh, wow. Yeah, terrible game. Um, I even and paid money for that. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, and when that was, that movie was like 94, so it would have been like what was that? I guess that was still would have been 16-bit. I think I had a, they had a Sega CD. Oh, it was on PlayStation. Was it uh, PS? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember. Anyway, I've had them all, including the most recent iteration of four. I don't think I can justify another another one. Like, I've got them oh, all. But it's it's got to be on PS4. Yeah, but then then what? Who am I, play, who am I fighting with? I'm that's the a, problem. That's the funny thing is I bought them all, yeah. but I'm more of an MK guy anyway. Ah. Oh. You I know. Wound my soul, Johnson. I know. I know. Mortal Kombat is not a. It's fun for fatalities, and you know I'm hearing this this theory that Mortal Kombat is huge in the U.S. and a, much a, better, much more than than Street Fighter, and the you know Europe and and Japan obviously, but Europe as well is more of a Street Fighter continent because we know you know what a technical fighting game actually is, as opposed to a silly thing where you see heads explode every <laughs> once in a while. Um, well, that, okay. Yes. I'm going to give you this one when it was super street fighter two and mortal Kombat one, even mortal Kombat two, I'll still concede your argument, get to three and then jump to nine and 10. I think you're talking about a much more technically complex game that does require uh, move, smart moves and quick God. stuff. It's not just about blowing dudes up or pulling their spines out. Okay, you know what? No, it's not just about that. But you can't compare Mortal Kombat to Street Fighter in terms of technicity. You know what? Nerdtacular, we have to have like a console with uh, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. And I have to play you a couple of games for both to judge kind of where you're coming from. Because my suspicion is, and I, I don't know yet, I can't confirm yet if that's the case or not, but my suspicion is that you really don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but we'll see. Okay. We'll Maybe see. you're going to arrange such a, a meeting. We'll see about that. We'll, we'll figure it out. All right. Um, do you know what uh, projects, Project Cross Zone is? I think you mentioned it on Boop Show uh, last week. I the, might the have. Second this one. is that weird combo between like, who is it, Bandai, Capcom, a bunch of other companies. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Weird. And uh, so Project Cross Zone is a 3DS game, and the second edition is coming out. It's been announced, and it's a weird action RPG type thing where it's half kind of a little bit fighting game, half RPG, and it's stra- a strange mashup of all of these characters. 
And um, the reason I'm mentioning it is, first of all, because I like mentioning a couple of weird games every once in a while in the show, or almost every episode. And this one is definitely a weird, strange thing. Um, and the second one is coming out in the fall. But if you have a 3DS and you want to f- try this out, there are actually two demos of Project Cross Zone 1 uh, on the 3DS. And you can just go in and give it a try. And very likely, I'm guessing, you're going to have your fill with just the demos. And you're going to figure out, all right, this is <laughs> I don't fine. feel like this is, Yeah, I don't feel like this game is for me. I feel like these kinds of games are, I don't know, it's interesting to mash those things up. And, you know, yeah. here I am talking about Heroes of the Storm, which is really the ultimate mashup of things like Super Smash Brothers. I love that concept. But I, 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 none of this is interesting to me. I don't, I don't know why. Well, I mean, clearly not for me. I suppose. Well, the thing is, the um, uh, Project Cross Zone, I think, where it didn't get me, I didn't get the gameplay. Um, it, it, the gameplay itself was not, it was weird. But, you know, in the second one, you're going to have characters from Devil May Cry, Strider, Soul Calibur, Shinobi, Street Fighter, Tekken, Mega Man, Resident Evil, Virtua Fighter, and more. It's kind of fan service kind of thing. And I, I guess some people might be into it. But Give it, give the demos a try. It's it's fun if only because you're gonna be you know visually it's kind of appealing for a 3ds title and uh, it's fun 2d fighting thing. So give it a try. I'm in. Um, Halo Five has a new trailer. Um, can't remember why I put this in. It has GameStop exclusive. Oh, I know why. Because the oh, so there's this guy. All right. So I don't want to spoil anything, but Master Chief's down. And uh, in flies this other looking uh, Spartan looking dude with some pretty wicked armor on and he's talking smack and there's, you know, that's all I'll say about the trailer. But I think the significant thing is that that guy is wearing the armor that you can only get by pre-ordering through GameStop, which has right. some people flipping out because they think that's a cheap, cheap, cheaty way to, to try to entice people to spend money because, ooh, he's in the trailer. I want that. And pre-orders, as we all know, you shouldn't pre-order unless there's a very compelling reason for you to do so. You know, I've been hearing a lot of people saying, oh, pre-orders are dumb and pre-orders, you, no one should ever pre-order. And I completely agree with that. People, and, and the reason is, there used to be a time when you were in danger of not getting your game if you didn't pre-order it. And that was a long time ago. That has gone away for years. There's no chance that you want to get a game and you go to the store the day it's released. There's no chance they're not going to have a copy for you. So right. there's really no reason ever. The, the reason for pre-orders existing has gone away. The only reason left is that people want to get the uh, companies want to get the money in advance and, you know, make it work in the bank or be sure that the, you've bought a copy before you've read the reviews or there's no reason for pre-orders to exist anymore. Except maybe if, you know, you want to buy it at GameStop and uh, get the fancy gear that you can only get for GameStop. And by the way, that element works for pre-orders, but I think it's more important for GameStop because they want to get you in their own store and for you to buy the thing at their store. And all of the retailers are trying to stri- to strike deals with uh, distributors all around the world because of the issues with uh, retail that you've been talking about earlier. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The whole those guys, the GameStop guys, have to be congratulated in some ways for figuring out ways of staying relevant in a increasingly digital download world. And it's 
very difficult and they've had record profits as a result. I don't think those are going to last forever. Most of that's due to their sprint stores and some other phone things they're doing. But um, that's a company who was willing to do what it took to stay afloat during a very weird transition that, that saw the death of just about every other games boutique store. And they've somehow been able to ride it out. So in a way, I don't blame them for coming up with crazy crap like this. Uh, and certainly the game developers are on board because they're getting something from that. Um, and they also want to increase, you know, they want to increase sales no matter where they get them. So, you know, in a way they could write a book about how to, you know, come up with ways to stay relevant in a changing marketplace. But I feel like you can only do that for so long before, you know, there's not enough dumb kids anymore that fall for your crap and, and then <laughs> they quit doing it and then they're not as relevant. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like to see, I don't want them to go away. But I don't know how they live another 10 years. I don't get how GameStop is a place to go at all 10 years from now. There's just no way. 10 years, yeah. It, it seems difficult. I don't think retail is ever going to go away completely. Uh, I think there's a, a place somewhere for retail somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean in, in video games. But I don't know. 10 years? Maybe not. I just don't have the... If they do, they'll be the smartest company in the history of the world. Because I just don't <laughs> see how they do it. But yeah, there, it's kind of well, like there, record stores. You yeah. don't see records record stores anymore. There were people in 1994 that would have, if you would have said, "Hey, Apple will one day be the largest capped company in the world. We'll have more money than Jesus, and uh, will be this incredibly huge, gigantic blah blah blah." You'd have said, "You're smoking crack." I'll see you at the auction for the when they sell everything after they've gone bankrupt. Like it looked so grim for that company. <clears throat> so I, I, you know, you never say. Never say never, but yeah. it's very hard to I see think, here that it's going to be different than that, you know? For sure. I mean, I, so two things. First of all, Jesus is kind of God and God owns everything. So he kind of owns Apple. So Apple can't really be more, have more money than Jesus. Ooh, but tell more about Joe Frenchy, the Frenchy Joe's uh, uh, religion. I like this. It's I'm, I, you know, I'm kind of a, of a, of a uh, scholar in theology myself. But, you know, in Joe Frenchy theology. Right, right. Um, But taking Apple's example and applying it, you know, making... The, I think it's the exception. I don't think you can make general, make it a general case that might apply to GameStop. I, yes, agreed, there's a chance in, in... There is one chance in hell to stay with the religious theme. There is one chance in hell that GameStop is going to make it and become incredible... Uh, I think it's slim, though. Yeah, it seems slim. Well, good it's luck. It's like, you know. Yeah, it's a slim, cha- it's like slim, cha- slim shady, Marshall Mathers in hell <laughs> is the chance that GameStop makes it. I love it. It's slim and shady. Um, so there's a Spartan strike on your iPhone and iPad. And by the way, there's a Mortal Kombat X game as well on iPad and iPhone. Uh, and mobiles in general, which is, it delivers on the gruesomeness uh, that Mortal Kombat game. So if if what you want is the gruesome, then you might want to download that thing for your phone. It's It delivers. And, you know, it's it's not like the game is technical anyway. It's about as technical on the phone as it is on the consoles, as we all know. Right. That, that was a jab at you. Scott. I liked it. I liked it a lot. <laughs> Uh, and there's Spartan Strike on on iPhone and everything as well. I, pff, whatever. I'm not enough of a Halo. I'm not a Halo fan at all, so I didn't. But get Patrick, it. I am a huge dual stick shooter fan, and mm-hmm. I love top down Geometry Wars style. Pretty much anything. And that first Strike game or first Spartan game they made was terrible. 
boring, awful, not good on either front, Halo or the dual stick. I'm hearing though that this but new this one, one is good, is really good. So hmm. I'm a little tempted because again, my love of dual stick arcade shooters outweighs my either love or disdain for anything Halo related, and I would I would get it on that alone. But I I need to read some more reviews. But so far, people seem real real uh, happy on it compared to the other one. Well, it's on Steam as well, um, yeah, so maybe. Yeah, maybe maybe you know someone can get it and that's what's it. funny. I would get it on Steam. It was originally a tablet only game. Like the original Spartan game was for Windows tablets, like the original RTs and stuff, and did very poorly there. Uh, they then kind of started. Well, maybe we'll put it in other places, so they put it on PC or something. Here's the irony: now I'm playing a Halo game in on a computer. Okay, not a console, but on a computer with a PS4 controller. So, so <laughs> I'm kind of screwing with everybody there, I guess. You fun. are a true rebel. Right. You know who else is a true rebel? Who? Phil Spencer, what? who mentioned in a tweet that he wanted to focus on first-party and exclusive games for Xbox uh, at uh, E3. Mm. And I thought that was interesting because we've all been seeing that both consoles are essentially the same thing. They have the same games. They have the same offerings, more or less. Um, it's, it's kind of a, you know, he's saying, yes, we need to focus on our strength and on this and on this. I think it's an orientation that both companies, PlayStation, I mean, Sony and Microsoft, have are seeing as a necessity and that's not that surprising that spencer is saying we want to focus on first party games because third party games are available on both consoles anyway so i i hope we're going to see a little bit of that and it will give everyone a reason to be proud of having that you know or at least to have a reason to have that freaking machine as opposed to the other one you are going to feel like you bought that one for a reason mm -hmm. and i think that's good Yeah, I think that's good too. And Phil Spencer, man with two first names, is uh, seems to be. How do I put this? A lot of Microsoft is doing this, and I know they're not necessarily the same teams at all. But Satya Nadella on the Windows side and the sort of business services side and all that other stuff they're doing, um, and then Phil Spencer here, they just seem to be a more open, more interesting Microsoft to me right now. I'm I'm a lot more interested in what they're doing moving forward than I have been for the last five six years, and I think that's all good sort of all the time. So when they say things like this now, I kind of perk up and go, oh, well, let's see what, you, what you're thinking there, buddy, because I agree you need more first-party games. I agree you need better third-party relationships or better exclusives or whatever the thing is. And um, I, th I feel like they mean it now in a weird way. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's definitely, I mean, I agree. And I've been saying this for a few months now. Uh, I've been amazed at the way Microsoft has become exciting and and you know, uh, uh, a company that we look at and think and, and want to root for, kind of, which was definitely not the case a year ago. And whether or not that's Satya Nadella's doing or how much of other uh, uh, people in the company have initiated that, maybe even uh, what's-his-face developers, developers, developers. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, crap. Uh, Steve Ballmer. There you go. Um maybe he initiated this it's very possible but i've been saying it for for a few months i'm gonna take you know scott's line here and i've been saying it for months microsoft is the most interesting it's been in a very long time um i credit nadella for it i think he the the conjuncture and the situation 
but Nadella is is has been going in bold directions, and I think it shows in it. I hope it's going to show in the Xbox division as well. Yeah, I agree. Hey, by the way, quick update. Just a quick mm-hmm. tiny update. Uh, I put a tweet up while we were talking that I said pre-ordering games is like play, uh, paying McDonald's for your combo meal a month in advance, just so one of your fries is purple. All right, just like what we <laughs> talked about. Guy rolled back and says, "Well, I've always looked at it as, hey, this game looks great. Use this money to help make it." That is what? not what they do, people. They it t- is they take your money, they put your money in a bank, they grow interest on you and everyone else's money, and just have it sit there for three months. And when the game comes out, they give it to you as if you were buying it for the same price you paid. But they made money off your money for absolutely free, and the developer sees none of that interest. So if that's what people think, I'm a little shocked he even said it. I kind of what. Because that is absolutely not where that money goes. And if they told you that, you were lied to that day at the mall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I pre-ordered Mortal Kombat to get Goro. That was, you know, I felt it was... But I wanted the game anyway. And I, it's okay to fall in. It's not even a trap. It's just, it's okay to do it. Just know what you're getting into, I guess. Right, I agree. And it's not funding the efforts of the company. That is not what it is. Nope. Unless it's a you know it's a it's a game that you're getting in early, it's an early access, but that's a completely different thing. Different animal. Yep. Uh, there was a study about gaming in the U.S. I'm not even sure we need to get into it. I mean, there's about 155 million people who play regularly. Uh, that's a huge amount of people, but it includes, of course, mobile games. Um, there's one thing was interesting. Four out of five households have a gaming device in the US. But again, if you count if you count phones, is it really surprising? I would be surprised that one household doesn't have a smartphone. Uh, they, one out of they're, five. They're including that in there? I believe they are, yes. Oh, well, that seems... I mean, at some point, you, you're like, well, everyone's breathing air. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> of course they have a gaming device. And, that, and the funny thing is that, you know, in that, in that definition, my mother has three gaming devices. She has an iPad, an iPhone, an Android exactly. device, and they're not playing any games on them, but they're capable of running them. So it's, these numbers bug me sometimes. A little bit, yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's the ESA website, which is uh, uh, the Entertainment Software Association website. Mm-hmm. And... Yes, they are going to be uh, counting all of it because it's the, they're in their interest to show that games are big. And yes, I just confirmed um, it includes smartphones. They are saying top devices most frequent gamers use to play games, PC, dedicated game console. So PC is 62%. Oh, that's, wow. that's more than I would have thought. Dedicated game console, 56%, and smartphones, 35%. Mm. Then comes... Wireless device. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's iPads. Battery-powered sex toy. I don't know. For example, you know, love can be a game sometimes. Um, And dedicated handheld system uh, is 21%. Yeah. Anyway, so that, yeah, it doesn't doesn't really mean much. Um, So, yeah. Uh, Last thing before we get into the million sellers, Anita Sarkeesian was was uh, uh is is in the time uh top 100 most important people this year and uh, as i say on almost every episode i think uh, the representation of uh, females is an important issue and i just thought it was neat that she would get that kind of recognition because she's definitely the most 
um, reasonable and uh, and and uh, level-headed person I've seen talk about this issue, and I'm glad she's getting recognized because she's talking about something important. And she deserves it. So I, I agree. I think that um, I think what I hope happens is that she uh, opens the door for more diverse voices in the industry generally and doesn't just end up being the one sort of not to invoke him again, but the one Jesus figure for everyone. Do you know what I mean? Like, I it, no, it, I think she's she's managing this. She's managing her image very well. She's not putting herself in front of everything because she she could milk it and I don't think she's doing that she's trying to advance her cause and I think she's causing people to think about all of this and I think in a way she kind of has achieved her goal but it doesn't mean she should stop doing it but I think that the game industry the people who matter in the game industry meaning developers are starting to think about this as a serious question and um, the the People who are countering this move to, you know, to name them the Gamergate movement, I think it's sort of gotten a little bit more quiet because it didn't, it ran on controversy and there isn't really a large controversy anymore. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think she's, um, she's a great spearhead i just hope there's a nice long spear with lots of diversity and lots of i just i would love to get it to a point where it's instead of anita sarkeesian against the world it becomes boy i'm glad that happened back then but look how much it opened up and now we don't even hardly talk about it because we're just a big diverse group and we're all doing what we got to do you know what i mean like it like anything like i you know i want i I don't i'm not i'm not naive enough to say i want a world where (laughs) <laughs> every black person and every white person has nothing but great things to say to each other. I'm I'm not naive, but I want I do kind of want to get to a place where it's it's almost as if some of the jackasses on the other side of this only have a stronger voice if they have a single target all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Like they, it feels like they're they're gunning for the leader, and I don't know. I just I I I, I hope that that's what happens, and you know, Zeus bless her for. Uh, for being willing to be in that spearhead with a few other individuals, but it's, um, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm excited to transition out of that and toward that diversity. We know we can all probably get too quicker than. Yeah. And it's, I think it's happening. You know, we've seen, we're seeing more games where this is thought of not even made a priority, but people thinking, Oh, well, okay. Maybe we should think of this as we're developing the game. And that's all that really matters. That's all we need. Uh, and I think it's it's happening. So we'll see over the next. I think within, you know, it's going to be the controversy if there ever was one is going to be over very quickly. And it's just going to be what you're hoping for, a state of what it is now. It's just, well, we, we used to have, you know, 10% of female characters. Now we have, I don't know, 40%. And it's not really that big a deal anymore because there is representation to a reasonable extent. And... No one cares, and it's fine, and people are happy about this, and it's not a, a, a big deal anymore. So mm, there you go. We'll see. We'll see. Million Sellers City Skylines has, sell, has sold one million 
games and there's 33,000 mods. Uh, I wanted to say thank you to Turkey, um, my good friend from the Phileas Club, the other show I do in English about world news, who uh, gifted City Skyline to me. I haven't had time to play it yet, but thank you, Turkey. It's very kind. Oh, I want to play that. I just That's another one I keep seeing and, and being tempted by every time I open Steam. I just want to play that damn thing and then I don't, but I want to. Well, maybe Turkey can buy it for you. Hey, Turkey, with all your fancy money, send me... I'm just kidding, Turkey, you don't have to do anything. (laughs) Um, uh, What was it? Monster Hunter. It has also sold a a million games in the West. Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. Have you ever played that game? I can't get into it. I tried an early version of Monster Hunter and I didn't like it at all and I haven't touched it since. So well, there you go. Yeah. People love it's, that. This is a, a huge fan base. Some I, people love it. It's very divisive. It's not unlike the Souls games in that way. Um, yeah. They just, they have these ardent fans. And then there's a lot of people who are just like, what are you getting out of this? <laughs> uh, 32 million uh, sold uh, worldwide for the entire series. So if you were doubting that Monster Hunter is big, doubt no more. Mm-hmm. Talking about Bloodborne. A million copies of the game have sold in a mere 15 days. Pretty good. Not even. It's kind of amazing that that game sold a million ga- a million copies. Yeah. Uh, it's not a huge AAA game. It's a relatively... It's a, certainly a game that has its following, but um, yeah, a million copies. And almost a third of the people who own the game have not yet killed the first boss. <laughs> Nice. It, I wonder sometimes if that if part of this sales record, sales success is, well, obviously it's fans and the growing fan base for the Souls games and its heritage and everything. But also, I think they're also a little first party starved right now, you know? For like sure. I think that's PlayStation yeah. you can't get anywhere else. And I feel like people are like, yep, finally a new a game I can't get anywhere. Uncharted's not till next year. Sweet. This is it. And then a bunch of hype surrounding both those two camps and I think there's, but I think also, like me, there's a lot of people who were curious about the Souls series and figured this is the one I'm going to get to finally try, give it a try. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm both anxious and excited to one day feel like I can play that damn game. So I'm going to give uh, everyone my impressions in a minute. But before that, uh, I'm just going to say that Dragon Ball Xenoverse has sold 2 million copies. Wow. Dragon Ball still selling like hotcake. Where though? Ch- Japan mainly or what? I don't know. I mean, in Europe, we're especially in France, we're big fans of Dragon Ball. Um, I'm What's guessing it's mostly Japan. People? My gosh, those games are terrible. The, well, the, this one is terrible. <laughs> which one? The whole thing. Just the whole like charging up and flying in the air. And ah, they're just, it's just bad. It's bad. Well, the first one on the second one on Super Nintendo was really good. Oh, I'm trying that to think. That was a long time ago. Is it good? I don't remember that one. Well, you weren't in you were never into anime though. No, I still think it drives me crazy in most ways. Well, Dragon so you you're not a Dragon Ball fan, so I can't speak to okay. you anymore. Yeah, you can't, we can't talk anymore. <laughs> um All right, Dragon Ball Xenoverse sort of uh MMO type game, you know, if if that's your thing, maybe you should give it a try. I'm hearing it's not terrible. So that's an endorsement right there. All right. Bloodborne. Um, All right. So we're done with the news. I just want to talk a little bit about Bloodborne real quick. Or maybe not quick. Um, 
This is a game and the entire Soul series, the reason we're talking about all of this so much is that it's a series like very few other that matters. Um, in game design, in the history of video games, there's something that happened with that series. It, it changed things. It's going to somehow it's going to be influential. It's going to trickle down into the concepts of game design. And it doesn't mean that every game is going to be soul-crushingly difficult as those are, but it's going to have an influence in the way people look at game design in the future. In the same way that, um, you know, Half-Life influenced how people would view storytelling in games or in the way that... Um, uh, World of Warcraft influenced MMOs, or there, there, or Mario influenced uh, um, platformers. And maybe you're not thinking about this every time you're playing some other game, you know, Uncharted, for example. But Half Life gave a lot of Uncharted what it has. Um, so anyway, the souls are super important as games in the history of game design. Uh, Bloodborne is the one that I decided to try. I complained on Twitter how horribly, not even difficult, but horrible it was. And I think that I'm going to try and explain what Bloodborne is to people who don't, who've never tried it. Mm. And that's not an easy task because no one can agree exactly what it is. No one can agree whether or not it's actually difficult because... Some people are, are saying it's not difficult, you just need to figure it out. And in a sense, it's true. Um, but the game doesn't help you figuring it out. So I'm going to use different metaphors to try and explain to you what it is. Um, the, the one I used in my French video game show was that of a Mario game where it would drop you into... Oh, by the way, I'm assuming you know what Bloodborne is. It's a, it's a third person, uh, mostly... Um, uh, contact weapon game where you have to uh, explore and kill uh, lots of demon-like creatures. And it's very punishing, and uh, every time you die, you have to go back to the beginning. Well, not the very beginning, but you, you, you can't save your progress as often as you do in other games. You don't have uh, regeneration of your health pool you know you can't hide behind a cover and get back to full health or any of this mm -hmm. um, and so the example I was giving was that of Mario if it would drop you at the last star level from the beginning in the sense that Mario does an excellent job at teaching you the game's mechanics before it confronts you with a challenge so you, you learn about how the game works and then you, you try to overcome the challenge it, it offers you. And it can become incredibly challenging. I mean, if you've ever played those final levels, if you make one mistake, you're dead. But in Bloodborne, it, it, it gets you right at the very challenging part without giving you any context or explanation. So the way you still have to learn it but the way you learn it is by trying different things and dying repeatedly. Um, <laughs> and once like you figure it game, out... Right? Like, they're all like that, right? Aren't they all sort of known for that? Yes, that's basically what the Souls series is about. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the example I gave for my French show. I think a much better example, actually, is that 
the one I'm going to give right now. Playing Bloodborne is like going to summer camp. <laughs> okay. okay. Stay with me. It's going to yeah, make sense. With you, I got it. <laughs> you go to summer camp and you you go there and you're like, whoop, it's going to be fun. I'm going to be having fun with different people and it's going to be camping and stuff and it's going to be cool. And you yeah. get to camp and you get in and you get in line and you're faced with a freaking drill sergeant that gets in your face and that goes like, now we're going to go in the forest and we're going to kill bears. Take this gun. And you're like, uh, I mean, and he goes back to your face. And he's like, did you say something private? And, and you're like, I've, uh, it's, I mean, I've never shot a gun in my life. It's get down and give me 20. And you're like, what the hell is this? Where am I? What's happening? And so at this point, at this structure, at this juncture, yeah. you have two choices. Either you go home and, you know, you start crying like a little bitch and you go home and you never want to hear anything about that horrible drill surgeon ever again. Okay. And by the way, this is totally justified. He is a horrible drill sergeant. Okay. It's not like people are going to look at you and think, that idiot, he couldn't, you know, he, this is a horrible experience and you can feel it in your bones from the beginning. All right. Or you get down, do your 20, then you get back up, take the freaking gun that you've never shot in your life, go out in the forest and start looking for bears to shoot. And you, you, the first time you're like, you're trying to shoot the bear, you, you, you walk around aimlessly for, you know, a few minutes and then you see a bear and like, holy crap, that's a bear. You point your gun, you aim, you try to shoot and it goes click or it doesn't shoot. And the bear sees you and mauls your face. <laughs> like, what the heck? So you do this two or three times and, and you can't figure out what you're dying, why you're dying. And then you're like, you remember that thing in that movie that you saw about the, the, the gun safety. And you're like, oh, crap, of course. I should put the safety off. Yeah. So you put the safety off and you, you get in front of the bear and you're like, you f- mother freaking bear, you're going to die. And you shoot the bear in the face and it dies. And it's like, yes, I've killed that bear. Yeah. And you're, you're, once you know that you need to turn off the safety... And it's not difficult. You just do it. It's just that you never had, you know, World 1-1 with uh, mushrooms to teach you to turn off the safety. If you're still following, it makes sense. But, yeah, you know. I, I, I totally think, it's, a, I think so, it's an apt thing. Everyone that describes these games says the exact same thing that you're saying. They either love that or they hate that. And so, so you keep going. And, and now, by now, you know, you, you sort of understand what, what this gets to and for people who enjoy going out in the woods and figuring out the the gun's safety and the you know lighting a fire and to survive and trying to gather morning dew to drink and not die of of you know dehydration those people feel like badasses and like they've not even badasses it's like this game i have a friend who describes it like this this game is my master and i'm going to let it you know teach me in a way by by you know punishing me what 
I should do in this game. I'm going to have no ego. I'm just going to let that drill sur- sergeant yell at me and, and you know, I'm going to figure it out somehow. And some people like it. Mm-hmm. How are, so where I, are you at then? Where are you at? So I killed the first couple of bosses, the Cleric Beast and Father Gascoigne, whatever it is. The people who, who know the game are going to know what this means. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't like the game. however however it stays in my head and i i sort of keep going back to it every once in a while i don't think i'm going to keep going back to it forever i think i'm almost done now but i've played about i don't know 10 15 hours of the game which is not something you do when you really hate a game right yeah and i don't like it but it it stays somewhere in my head and and the fact that I I figure out all those things that I know that I have to turn the safety off and that then I can shoot the bears. It's very easy now. Those those creatures that used to be unsurmountable are now very manageable for me. Um and there is I can see what is there. I still think the game is not for me. But I I can see that there is something there and I hope that my very silly analogy has has brought you a kind of minimal understanding of maybe what the game might feel like. Part of it too, the part of your scenario you're missing is that you're in the drill the drill sergeant's office, right? And he's berating you and yelling at you, but you can occasionally freeze frame everything around you and yell out the window. Let's call that window the internet and say, <laughs> "How do you what? I I did do left. Oh, juke right, then left, then hit him with the razor saw. Okay, great. Blip, started again." <laughs> Like that's one huge part of the game. The the communication outside the game and the in, and the notes in the game for that matter. Uh seem like that's uh, let me put it this way. I don't know that this game exists in a world before the internet. I don't think that it would work. I well, think Well, it I think it to communicate, don't you think? I think it did. It was called Ghost and Goblins. It was very difficult. It was really hard. It was it was back from, you know, what we were talking about last time with James, but back when the business model was make you die so you put another quarter in that damn machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that existed. Uh, I think, so the notes in game are kind of useless. Sometimes you'll have a, a note that says, beware of trap or, you know, there's a monster and you'll kind of be a little bit more careful. But there are so many of those notes that you end up not paying attention too much. And the, the specters, which are last seconds of another player I first I didn't realize that they were the last seconds but then again it doesn't explain anything to you so after like 10 hours I ended up realizing those are the last seconds of that thing of that that guy's game so if I look at it I can maybe figure out what's coming for me in you know in in three meters there or you know 20 feet if I'm talking to Americans um <laughs> so it's but but then you know I I sort of get the hang of it a little bit and then I get into that area where there's a Gatling gun that mows me down every two steps and yes there's a, a path that you can see the path to go be you know below the thing and you can avoid the Gatling gun but then it's what I was talking about you know to learn you have to die you walk in front of the thing and if the Gatling gun gets you then you shouldn't walk here again and. At some point, it's like, all right, I get it. I'm just sick of it. Yeah. I'm I'm done. Yeah, um, I, I'm 
I mean, I'm always infinitely curious about those games, but when I hear the stories, I just go, why are you, it's like punishment. I don't want to punish myself. Like, I feel I like know, that's but what it's still, this weird self-punishment thing. Still in my head, though. It's what? still, I still think about it. So I was, they came out, uh, Mortal Kombat and this game came out roughly at the same time. I had fun. I, I'm having fun with Mortal Kombat. I've played a little bit and fine, whatever. Uh, I've played Bloodborne a lot more and I really did not expect that. And and it stays with me a lot more than Mortal Kombat. You know, Mortal Kombat is like, oh my god, that's so horrible. Did and you then earlier something you must have got Mortal Kombat earlier than us because we just got it last Tuesday. Um, maybe it was last Tuesday. Maybe you know it was a week apart. See, roughly. this is what this is what that game. This is what Dark or uh, freaking uh, Bloodborne does to a person. It makes them forget all time <laughs> and space. You don't even. Know oh no 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 on. no! I I remember what it was. I waited until I got Bloodborne. I oh. waited a, a, quite a while gotcha. before I got blood. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, the way you, I get why people. I'm love. not trying to sell anyone on that. No, game. no, no. I'm just I, trying I, to explain. I totally get that, and I, and I can see what 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 you say seems to make sense to me in terms of. Yeah, I think we've cracked what people want. You you figured it out what they're loving about it. I just don't know if I have time to dedicate to an experience like that. You know that that's my mm. biggest problem. If you ask me when I was 22. What do you think of Bloodborne? I'd probably be like, this is the greatest thing ever. And that's all I want to do. I just don't know if I can do it now. You know, mm, I agree. Yeah. I, I think I'm in your boat. I, I really wanted to give it a try at least to be able to say that I kind of know a little bit of what it is, mm-hmm. because I really think that that series is very important in the history of video games, but I still think it's not for me. I, yeah. And, they, and you can be that. You can be both important and not for me. You know? <laughs> that's very generous of you, Scott. Sure. All right. I think that's going to that's gonna be enough for this show. Um, thank you so much for, uh, for being on the show and indulging me in all of my silliness. Oh, it's always uh, fun. I, I love these. These are my favorite things to talk about. So it's like zero sweat off of my nose to hang out and do this. That is excellent news. Yeah. Uh, I was really worried about the sweat of you, off of your nose, so uh, I'm reassured <laughs> now. Um, if there are people who don't know uh, about the shows you do, can you tell them where to find you? Yeah, so if you are interested in, uh, say, oh, I don't know, World of Warcraft and Blizzard in general, you might point your little squinties and download over there to The Instance, The Instance Podcast, which in January will be 10 years old, if you can believe it. Uh, Patrick's also on that show and, uh, he and I and Dills and Terpster every week talking wow and other blizzard things. Uh, that kind of thing is really fun. The boop show is great. If you like general video game talk, like that's a lot like pixels, but in a way that is complimentary, I think it's, um, it's a solo show where I kind of run down a lot of news and, uh, might twice be a, a week too. Yeah. Twice a week, uh, th- Tuesdays and third or Mondays and Thursdays. And it's a great way to kind of book in a little pixels episode and kind of get the commentary <laughs> you want out of that. So go check that out at frogpants.com all the podcasts everything all of it frogpants.com and you can follow me on twitter at scott johnson excellent uh and if you want to follow me i'm not patrick on twitter you can also find this show and come comment on the drill sarge uh, you know on sergeant bloodborne's um uh 
tail on frenchspin.com. You'll also find the Phileas Club over there, which is a show where we get people from different countries in the world to tell us about the news of the world where with their vision from their local uh, region. And I think that has great value. Um, I also want to thank the lovely people who came on iTunes to uh, leave a comment for the show. As I was saying, I think the show is sort of getting into its own now. It's been a, a few months and uh, we're getting our, our vibe uh, right. And I really appreciate people uh, going to iTunes to give us a little bit of publicity and a little bit of visibility. Uh, I want to thank Clegg too, who said, uh, basically, as I was saying earlier in the show, I like the discussion of why things are happening in the industry rather than the simple list of what is going on. And you guys deliver. So thank you so much because this is exactly the point of this show. Um, I want to thank also Helionos, who gave us five stars, uh, Joe Frenza and St Steve uh, 01212. I think that's the best Steve there is. I've looked <laughs> at all the others. They're, just, they're not as cool. So um, thank you so much for your comments and stars. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. Thank you for your uh, appreciation and uh, replies on Twitter telling me that you like the show and you, that you like what we're trying to do here. And we will see you in another two weeks with another Pixels. Bye, everyone. Now get down and give me 20! <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.